Hello dear listeners, this is your host Oshaye and this week we'll be releasing two episodes. The first is what you're about to listen to, the concluding part of our chat with Olagoki Balogun, the co-founder and CEO of SoFresh. Then on Friday, November the 26th, in celebration of the life of Olariwaju Fasasi, popularly called Sound Sultan, we will be releasing a bonus episode. So stay tuned for Friday's bonus episode. Until then, enjoy. Like I'm selling a cup of smoothie for a thousand. Like I, I couldn't imagine it. That was easily my sales tripling. Mm. So if I sold 10 cups in Ogban, I sold 10 cups in Ikoyi, then it was tripling. So it was, oh, I thought I wanted to take cooperative loan. There was no <laughs> doubt. There was no doubt. My father told me life is not a bit This is Origins Africa podcast where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on this episode, the concluding part of our chat with Olagoki Balogun, the co-founder and CEO of SoulFresh, Nigeria's pioneer and number one healthy food chain, we explore how Guke was able to navigate the trying period when he felt like quitting. The crucial roles data, business location, systems and standards played in the profitability and expansion of SoFresh, as well as his mistakes, general life lessons and habits. Over the last episode, we talked about the early experiences and defining moments that formed the entrepreneur and leader Goke has become today. We also covered the early years of SoFresh up to when Goke felt like giving up and calling it quits. So I called my wife and I said, maybe this thing is not working. What year was this? This was 2013. Okay. Early 2010. I said, maybe this thing is not working. And she agreed, but you know, um, so we had a lengthy discussion. We call it the strategy session. Then <laughs> it was it was happening everywhere, really, in the dining, on the bed, on the road, everywhere. But this thing is not working. We're spending a lot of, and I didn't have, you know, I remember I said I didn't have a lot of business knowledge. So I was trying to say, oh, this business should not make a loss. Mm-hmm. So I was giving money to the company. I wasn't accounting for it. Oh. So I'll just buy, if I buy raw material, I'll buy it home so that the company will not make a loss. And I didn't even know that I could write it against the books of the business oh. as a loan. So I was doing all of that in the beginning years. I, I didn't want this business to make a loss, you know. Um, so I was I was just supporting the business with money, you know, when we needed stuff, but it wasn't covering its expenses. So after three years, I said, we've done this thing for three years. I think we should just pack this thing up. It wasn't making sense and all of that. And so um, about half year, we brought in an accountant. And 2013, looked, half year, you brought in an accountant? Okay, no, no, so not 2013. Um, okay, so we we had an auditor before. Okay. Yeah, so 2013, I had a friend accountant that, you know, has had a lot of experience in the banking industry. So I, I brought him to just... Come I post make sense of this these numbers. And then I remember he did the numbers and told me that before we can start making profit, we needed to eat a particular 
revenue per month okay. and was like times four of wow. what we're doing. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. Well, I, I, I don't want me to get times four what I'm doing, right? Like, I didn't believe him. Mm. This guy does the form stuff. Okay. So I said, okay, that's Wait, fine. You didn't believe that you needed times four, or you didn't believe I didn't that I needed times four. Like you know, you know how you do. You know, if you're not really knowledgeable, I'm like, no. If I if I can make, so maybe them are making like two two point five. If I can make five million. If if I, I'll be fine. He's now saying you need times four. That's like said, ten million. No, no, it does. It does. It said. It says that it was saying at the minimum times three. Okay. I don't know if I can just double this revenue. Mm, you be score, fine. Yeah. But I didn't even understand a lot about you know you know COG you know that's cost of goods sold you know your inventory the you know, cost of storage because okay. one if you increase revenue so many other costs would Broke increase well. right yes. so my in my head it was if I go from <laughs> two point five to five you're fine I'm fine <laughs> so I, of course I thank the guy the guy left and. I just in my life, this thing is not will, will not work. I know, but she, but she was like, yeah, she agrees it's not working, but maybe we should give it a bit more thoughts and see what we have done well. And so we sat down and then we looked at the last three years, what we okay. have done. And um, we were just making, trying to make sense of the numbers, the pattern of buying. And that's why I tell entrepreneurs, no matter how little, try to collect data. Uh-huh. The data we used to make decision 2010 was really very simple data. So because we used a computerized and sales system, we were able to see if the timing customers came into the store. Okay. We were able to know the frequency customers came into the store and all of that. And so we started noticing a number of easy trends. The mornings were completely dull. So between... So in a day we made let's say fifty thousand. Um, the morning till about five, we could make us ten thousand. Uh-huh. Then between five and seven, sales exploded. So we ask, we're asking themselves, these people buying between five and seven, where were they? It was easy to find out that they they walked on the island. So it was when they started returning, just stop by, started buying. And then sometimes they will even call in the traffic like 7.30. Oh, guys, I'm on the town, Milan. Please don't close. Oh. I need to take my juice today and all of that. And that started giving us an idea that our customers actually walk and live on the island. Then they didn't, a lot of them didn't walk. They lived in around Ogba, but they didn't walk in Ogba. And then if we could go there, we could probably capture more Okay. Of, 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 of the customers. We also started looking at what were they buying more? What were they not buying more and all of that? So we started changing. So we found out that, you know, um, they want more ready-made meals. Okay. The the ready-made meals, the juices, the smoothie, the fruit packs were doing well. So we introduced vegetable salads into the mix. Um, so we were just looking at all those, you know, little data we had How long did it take to look at the data ah uh, well I, I wouldn't be I mean because it was just an ongoing conversation we just okay. pick it up we just look at this and all of that and then a crazy idea came like let's go to Ireland I say it's crazy but when I think back I was trying to find a justification well the justification was that we believed that we had more customers and more markets on the island but there was one other incident that happened so in 2012 um 
the school my kids attended, no, same 2013, the schools my kids attended, they were having, I mean, it's one of those like uh, premium schools. So they were having like fun, or what they call funding. Okay. So they had, they had opened it up for parents that had businesses to come and sell. So we went to sell, uh, went to sell our, our meals there, juices and smoothies and fruit packs. And because they gave us a very high bill for, what's it called? For the rental space. Okay. So why even, should we go? Why should we, we want, they will not be like 35,000 for space. How much are we going? Even in the store, we're doing maybe like um, 35,000, 50,000. How are we going to pay for a space? We won't make profit, but look, let's go. It's an opportunity for us to meet new people and all of that. So we went for that event. So what happened in Antonio? The Antonio was very good. The sales we made in the store was more than in the event was more than the one we made in the store that day. Then we went for the one in Lekki. Now they charged us higher for the one okay. in Lekki, but we still went. But we now told ourselves that we're not going to sell at the same price because what we paid there was almost double what we paid okay. for the Antony campus. So we said we're going to increase our prices. And then we had this long discussion. We were selling maybe juice and spinach for like 300, 350 then, the cup. And then we said we needed to take it to 800. Okay. We're even scared. And then the exotic one would be 1,000. We're like, hey, <laughs> we're going to bring this thing back home. <laughs> so let's go. So we went. That was a revelation. Mm. Like, one, the guys loved it. They said they have ne- they, are, they don't find this. This was 2003. They don't find these kinds of things where they can take freshly made. It's made in front of them. The fruits are caught in front of them. They see the process. They have been looking for this kind of thing. The, recept- the acceptance was really overwhelming. And guess what? It was the 1,000 naira option they were going for. Jesus, I'm dead. <laughs> because in Europe, we are busy always fighting with our customers. 300, 350 is too much. I that much is <laughs> So that day, that day, we left that event and told ourselves, we um and remember I was not in Lagos. I didn't even know Lekki. I didn't know. I didn't know if I see. Because I lived on I lived on the mainland and then I was working in the Delta area. So I just knew Ikoi. Okay. And I just said, we are moving to Ikoi. That was that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so we started searching for a space in Ikoi. And that was that was what informed, you know. Okay. The, and this was 2013. 2013. And you know I said it was a crazy idea because business was still really tough. We were not doing well. We were making loss. We were not um, we were not even breaking even. But we started to now commit more money. Um, to get a space in Ikoyi, Awolowo Road, premium space. I had to go and take um, what a cooperative loan at work wow. to pay for the rent. Paid for the rent, did it up, and then by the time we're moving to Ikoyi, we we had now changed the name to so, so, so fresh. fresh. Okay, so we say that event was like a validation or an affirmation. Validation, for you. yes, an affirmation of the. Did you tell you on the right track? Trying to look up, yes, on the right track. Yeah, of the thing. Okay, island. And a few of our customers also, I'm saying, you guys should come to the island. You will sell more on the island. All of it just crystallized together and said, we're moving. Okay. 
Yeah. Did you still have doubts and fear? At that point, at that point, I said, well, I didn't have doubts. Okay. I all believe, like, like I'm selling a cup of smoothie for a thousand. Like, I, I couldn't imagine it. That was easily my sales tripling. Mm. So if I sold 10 cups in Ogban, I sold 10 cups in Nikoyi, then it was tripling. So it was, all, I thought I wanted to take cooperative loan. There was no doubt. <laughs> There was no doubt. I just, I just believed the, the property. In fact, many stories. When we went, I mean, we were a very young couple. When we went to the uh, property agent, he said, "What do we want to do?" He said, "Wanted to do juicy smoothies." The guy dropped his head down and said, "Let me advise you guys. I have a went to yourself. I have a property behind me. Okay, just a small. I can give it to you." But you guys don't put maybe I can't remember three or three point five million rent. Remember I said our sales in Ogba was over, me. and we're going to pay for two years and all of that. Wow. And instead of you doing this, I think this is too much for you. We will buy juice and spoons and all of that. That you guys should just let me give you a space behind my office. Three hundred, two hundred thousand. We said no. That's the place. We're still in that place. So. Did your wife have doubts though? Or no, no, both no, no, of you no. were my wife don't do doubt. Once she says we are doing this, she's going. Yeah. So both of you were sold to the idea. We sold to the idea. The guy, the agent had pity on us, was trying to convince us not to pay. We were ready to uh-huh. pay, you know. But we said we're going, we believe in this and all of that. We've been doing this for three years now. We know what <laughs> we're saying. And then, you know, <laughs> we paid and then okay. we started and then yeah, we learned the store. Interesting. Change to them to so fresh launch that Ikoi award. Yes. Then what happened next? What happened? Went boom. Just like that. Practically just like that. So let me take a step back. So mid um like 2013, we also thought that you know, I I thought that we needed to have more knowledge. So we went to business school, went oh, okay. to uh, enterprise development center. Um, that's um, LBS. Okay. But they are enterprise um, as, um, harm. So we went to Enterprise Development Center and learned about who is, you know, doing business. And so we were certificating entrepreneurship. So learned about business, learned the language, operations, marketing, sales, strategy, all of that was new to me. Mm. And so that was, that, that really, you know, exposed, you know, um, our minds into how to run a proper business, what it entails and all of that. So getting that business education was also, we did that just before we opened the Nico. So I'll say we were better prepared. Okay. Still, in that school, somehow that late 2013, I got to know about Instagram. I was just a friend in middle school. He was doing Instagram, he's doing business. I said, What is that? He was the one that opened the account for me, opened the account for so fresh. So by the time we opened in Ikoi, um, we had more business knowledge. We knew about strategy, we knew about, you know, you know, the you know, the right market, how to target your market. We just knew a lot of things. So using all those knowledge, but most importantly, the location. So the location changed everything. People just started walking in. Mm. And in like six months, business was so good that we couldn't at that point undo two locations. And of course, business in Ikoi in Ogba oh, wow. had gone down like half. Okay. Meanwhile, in Ikoi, we were doing 
remember times four in about <laughs> six months. Okay. Another funny story. And when we did times four, and then I looked at the numbers and I'm like, and then we started making profit. I'm like, so this guy is in my addiction. <laughs> <laughs> So it was about when we eat that the figure he gave. That was when he started you know, making profit. Turn around, which was about maybe six or seven months after we got to we okay. got to, it was just like we had always been there. Instagram was really you know helpful at the beginning days. But did you then, need to hire someone or were you managing no, I it? Do, I was doing it myself. Okay. Um, where's the money to hire someone? <laughs> I was doing myself. Sponsored post or? No, no, no. You know, it was 2013. There was not even a lot of people. Not too many people are talking about healthy living, healthy food. Not too many okay. businesses. It was still really nascent. So there was not, there was, the noise wasn't as much as, so you didn't even have to fight so much for attention. They are, ah, they are not scattered the algorithm like ah, they are trying I to see. do now. So okay. it was just organic posts, you know. Okay. And then because it was really new, that was probably the first fruit, vegetable, salad store anywhere in Nigeria. So people walked in. Celebrities were just, wow, I just got a salad. So I remember a lot of, you know, celebs come into the store and then they would post ah, on Instagram. It was new. So it was novel. And so, you know, people were just posting and, you know, the thing was just going on. It was so like I told you, we couldn't manage, but I thought, Ogba, what is Ogba? <laughs> 2014 February, you I could. shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, um, so it, was, it, was, it was really, you know, uh, a fantastic move. And what really saved, you know, what really saved them, the business, okay. that move. It was a gutsy move because we had to put in a lot of more funds. The rent was about 8 million altogether. But of course, it was much bigger space. We had to renovate, buy more equipment and all of that. I am more staff. But it paid off. You had to go big and take a risk. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But of course, we, we took a risk, but you must also remember that we had some underlying assumptions True. behind it. We didn't just take it. We, we looked at our data. Even going for that event is also data. So. True. It, it's not in the big data like they call it. There are just a lot of patterns you can look at um, and talk to people and all of that. So we, it was based on something. It was not just based on nothing that I think this place, yeah. And has it been a smooth ride since then? It's never a smooth ride. <laughs> okay. It's never a smooth ride. And that, 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 that's always my disposition when I tell people. I don't try to, it's never a smooth ride. Now, it is one thing to launch an idea or product. It is an entirely different thing to build a successful company across 14 locations and still counting. So how was SoFresh able to scale successfully? So in 2013, um, we business started doing well and... Um, 2014, you shut down Ogba, focused on it. Yeah, we shut down Ogba and then... Um, people started um, what was it called uh, the customer base started growing and then we now started having demand again on the mainland oh okay so we started doing deliveries to the mainland but then that wasn't sustainable imagine bringing a pack of salad from Ikoi to Adeni Jones or GRE so it wasn't really sustainable so we started thinking about let's bring another okay you know uh this was 2014? This was 2014. So in 2015, we opened 
Okwebi okay. uh, in 2015. And then some new challenges you know, started showing up. Um, now you have two locations. You have to manage standards. You have to manage sure. consistency. Um, you can't be at one location all the time. Um, and you still had your full-time job. I still had my full-time job. Um, but as, as at this point in 2013, by the time we came back from the US, the US. 2011, there about, my wife wasn't really practicing okay. as such. So she was fully in the business. Okay. I was doing two weeks on, two weeks off. But of course, the two weeks I was around, I was fully involved. Still partially involved when I was away, of course. Um, so she was fully focused on the business. And we had two locations. And so we had to, you know, rethink the structure, the the systems and everything. Um, staffing at the point in time became very challenging. Um, getting the right kind of staff, um, being able to uh, motivate them to see the dream, see the vision and, you know, do the things as expected and all of that. So um, HR was quite challenging. Um, and then, you know, um, you, ha- you had to now deal with things around even um, just the macroeconomics. Yeah, I did again. So I'd learned my lesson in accounting, finance, but I had to learn that the business does, doesn't operate in a silo, right? Mm-hmm. The macroeconomics or inflation, interest rate, you know, I didn't know how it affected my business. And so you had to, you know, plan and all of that. So even though business was good in 2013, by 2014, 20, I begin to wonder, ah, this, um, this thing is not making sense again. You know, now because you're spreading, you're creating more overheads and all of that. So, you know, just managing all of that, you know, became, it became, you know, quite challenging. But of course, um, with the knowledge, you know, um, I'd gained, you know, from going to business school and just that quest to continue to, um, um, to acquire knowledge and know that in business, things doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Mm. You have to be deliberate about everything you do in business. So, you know, yeah, um, we just continue to, to, to evolve and, you know, grow the business. And, um, yeah, um, it's been a very interesting, you know, could be very frustrating at times. Uh, for me, two things are the biggest source of frustration and in running business in Nigeria. One is government because, um, a lot, a lot of the times it, it, it seems as if they are just hundred percent against businesses um and so you find that a policy direction um always almost have negative impact um on, on businesses um today so fresh employs about 150 people i remember a friend of mine that has a business um in the u.s and he employs 20 people he gets recognition from the mayor every now and then but nobody even cares right um they you know when 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 you when a government official comes it's usually about something that's going to have a negative impact mm. on your business. So for me, that's a big challenge. Infrastructure is also a really big challenge because now the business has grown to a point that every business is 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 almost a local entity on its own. For every location, we have to provide power. We have to provide clean water because there's a minimum standard. 
Um, so generating power, generating clean water, security on its own, you know, it's it's really quite it's really quite challenging. Sometimes not just in the cost of what you're spending to provide those services, but the time it consumes, mm-hmm. you know, for you to deliver that service. The, the time and even um, just time, effort, personnel. So right now I have, you know, a, a group of people managing, you know, power, you know, power within the within the organization. Like, I don't want to manage power. I just want to sell mm. fruits and vegetables to my customer. Just give me power, I'll pay for it. But then I have to, you know, manage, you know, power, diesel, the gen is breaking down. This is happening. Mm. So there's just a lot of distraction and disruption that you have to deal with every single day, you know, just because you're running business in Nigeria. And that continues to be there. Um, but of course, with, with the focus, with the right strategy and the right team, you know, you continue to to weather that storm. But it's true that it takes a lot from you, you know. you So you have a lot you're doing apart from even running the business. You're running so many other, other stuff. Okay. So I heard you mention people being a challenge initially. So how have you now been able to solve that? Getting the right people, right, Sam? Excellent. We just had to... So my wife had always had an um, interest in HR, you know, okay. people development. So she had to focus on that. She went to do a CIPM. She became a chartered personnel manager. And she started managing the HR. So we started thinking, what was the problem? Is it the people... Is it the system? They did provide the right environment, the right atmosphere for people to succeed. So um, it wasn't just improving the HR right from the hiring process. Okay. Did you have what we were looking for or you're just looking for a staff to come and sell? Mm-hmm. For example, a cashier at SoFresh is very, very different from a cashier in other food restaurants or in a supermarket. Because when people walk into SoFresh, they believe that the cashier should have some basic knowledge around what they are selling. People don't go into, I'm sorry, I'm going to mention, people don't go into a regular fast food restaurant and ask, oh, um, is, your, is your rice LD? Mm-hmm. What, what, does, what does chicken do in my body? Well, people walk into SoFresh and they're asking those kind of questions. assistants those kind of questions. Some people come, oh, my son... As, uh, is constipated, what can it take? <laughs> That's it. That's it. So little things that I'm going to ask ourselves, what is the what is the right kind of people to have on the team? Okay. What what do we what does each role require and all of that? And these are questions you must ask yourself as an entrepreneur. And so we started doing that. We went back to the squad. What is the job description? Who fits the person? So job specification person specification, the kind of environment person needs to work in, you know, settle that. They went on to, you know, you know, change the hiring process, you know, prioritize training. Okay. And then induction. So before you can step a foot into any so fresh outlet to work, you must have done minimum of one month training. Okay. Intensive. The first two weeks is classroom. The next two weeks is practicals in like a, we have our own small lab and then you now go and piggyback in an existing location. So we prioritize training and then not just one-time training, which which are some of the things I learned in the way I worked, it was continuous training. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we just, you know, kept on improving the system, developing the system, 
And, you know, um, and then of course, also r- r- realizing that, enter, you know, employees as partners okay. in the business. And so they must become part of the business. In fact, at the point in time, we sat down and we redrafted the goal, the vision, the mission, the values together with our employees. Okay. Not what we under the world. We're not calling them, you guys are here now. Okay. What are we doing together as a team? What do we want to achieve? So a lot of the people on the team today now, they are part of birthing what the new SoFresh is looking like. The expansion you see today, for example, was not what myself and my wife only sat down together to, 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 to draft. It was a joint effort. So there's commitment, there's ownership. Yeah, so it's, it's just a lot of things, you know, that's gone into it over the years. And we'll continue to improve improve on that system. I think that's another thing I've learned about business that um, it never stops. So if you're not ready to keep on growing, keep on evolving, what you did last year, two years ago, if your business is growing, will become irrelevant or not sufficient to, to get you to that next stage. So you must be constantly looking at constantly looking for, which is one of the key roles of, 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 of the CEO or the founder to say, I'm here today. I want to grow by 2x. What am I going to require in terms of new policies, new structures, new employees, um, new types of financing, um, and, and, and just, you know, logistics, everything around supply chain, how is it going to change? What kind of expertise the people you have now, are they able to meet the demands, you know, um, in two years time when you have grown? If they are not able to meet the demands, are there loopholes you can cover by sending them for training and all of that? And of course, we also prioritize internal growth and development. So we encourage that a lot. Okay. So, um, but when the need is there for us to bring in people from outside, we do that as well. So yes, just so just all of that, you know, has come to really fine tune that aspect of the business. And you know, so it, it was a lot of work, but it's really paying off. People ask, so this money I'm just coming from our newest store, which is the 13th store, Lucky Lucky B. We have another one, Lucky Phase One A. Now we have Lucky B, and it was opened last week Saturday. I had not been there. Okay. But I went to do something else in Aja early this morning. I just said, let me stop by. And my friends were asked me, you know what I say? I don't need to be there. <laughs> they know what to do. They can do it. I mean, I'm not going to, very soon, I'm not going to have to be in every store. I will not have to even save myself before it opens. So it's just, you know, a lot of work, constantly working, and then it starts really paying off. Okay. So where does the training happen, by the way, the induction and all? Okay. Uh, so the induction happens here in the head office. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so you use the conference room. Conference, they come in two weeks. We tell them, first of all, all about the company, the history, our values, our goal, why we're doing this and all of that. And then um, all the basic trainings, like customer service, sales, communication, okay. um, office etiquette because we found out that you know a lot of people come in you know either from even the university or you know some ond second they don't have some basic you know knowledge okay so we spend the first two weeks reorientating telling them how we conduct our business at so fresh and all of that what we prioritize what is important we have not even said anything about the work they are doing okay just so fresh and all of that trying to 
you know, acculturize them. And then after that, they now start doing role specific training. Okay. So if you're employed to work in the store, you're doing production training, you're doing, you know, food safety, quality management, you're doing all of that. If you're a manager, you go to the next level to look at, you know, reporting, SOPs and all of that. HR also takes them through uh, HR guidelines, all of that. Then when they finish that, um, yeah, so after the role specifics, then they now attack them to someone, a more senior person to train them. Now I have practical experience. All of that takes about a month, six weeks, depending on what your role is. Okay. And then... What's the management team structure? Like how many people... Uh, so we have seven management staff, okay. top management level, and then we have like the next level, around 10 people, uh, around uh, 20 people, and then we have, you know, the rest of the, the team. Okay, okay. Interesting. Why is the headquarters of Papi, by the way, and not, for yes. instance, Ikoi, where... Uh, so Ikoi is just a shop space. There's no, there's no office space, so... We when we when we came to Okwebi, we in, in intentionally took this bigger space. So the head office is upstairs, and then um, we still have a store downstairs. Why didn't well. you consider the island to for where your head office should be? Um, or it, it never came up. You just said to them. So I live on the mainland. So it was oh, just, okay. It just made sense that I should put my office where <laughs> close to where I'm living. <laughs> Okay. And then in 2015, when we came here, getting this kind of space in Ikoi was going to be prohibitive for the business. So we didn't have money. So this this, this just made sense. Prohibitive? How do you mean? In terms of costs. Ah, I see. Okay. I think this. I think this. I think the simplest thing was going to be because I lived here. Proximity. Yeah, it just made sense too. Okay. For your people, it's still just a curious question. So do you prioritize skills and qualities over educational qualifications? Does it matter if they are, for instance, secondary school leavers or they don't have educational qualification and that sort of thing? So we'll prioritize skills and competence. And we try to um, design our interview process to bring that out. Okay. Um, your for for us, your educational background is secondary. It's about what can you do, what you're able to do, and all of that. And the same thing with the system. We had people that started as um, house cleaner, stock, sorry, housekeeper, yeah. And today they are managing outlets. Interesting. Within a space of three, four years, yeah. Okay. Because they showed a lot of you know effort. They showed a lot of willingness to learn. We have about two or three within the system that way. Um, some people said that we, we have one that has intern recently. She was promoted to operations manager in three years. Okay. Intern, um, customer service, served as an outlet manager. And before you know it, so um, that's what we prioritize. It's about really what you can do. Even before you get in the system, I want, once you get into the system, your degree is almost irrelevant. Can't tell me that I've gone for masters. Come and pay me more. No, mm. what is the master translating to? So that's okay, and, and that really works well because then people know that yes, I came in as um, an OND order, an SSA order, but if I continue to grow and develop myself, I you have can, opportunities. Mm, that's great. That's great. Um, 
I know there have also been instances, or I think I'd read that been instances of maybe some employees leaving and then they go and start something similar to yeah, um, making their own healthy yeah, food. Always had that. How maybe when it first happened, how did you feel about it? Yeah, so maybe of course when it first happened, it's when the business was still really small. I mean, it was like um, when was this? First time. Maybe around about that 2014. Okay. Um, maybe a major one. Maybe around that 2014. Um, okay. Honestly, we didn't really feel... There wasn't a lot of impact and I wasn't worried. We were never really bothered. Um, Why? Because, I, because we didn't think there was a reason to be bothered. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think the one that just kind of um, was... Um, was what I should use now. Uh, very disconcerting. So we had a staff on the team, still in the team, and then running oh. the business. And then the position she had was so that she could actually divert customers, right? Even though we didn't have a location there, but that was still, you know, possibility. Mm. And when we found out, we did an investigation, you know, we, we let the person go. But we always had that, you know, every now and then. It's no big deal. I mean, haven't hadn't they learned the recipes, how you make stuff and stuff like that? So there, there's more to a business than the recipe. True. Um, and especially a business like So Fresh, the recipes are not eating. Okay. We have a juices, watermelon and pineapple. You see it when you go to the web. Some people, people still come and try to steal or take pictures. I'm like, my staff will try to say, don't stop them. Just tell them to go to the website. You can download the... The menu. Oh, so you've put it out there. <laughs> the menu's on the website for customers that want to order. Okay. So you see, I mean, I have a juice, it's watermelon, it's pineapple, it's lime, it's lemon, it's there. That is just a part of the business. True. So many other things goes into making the business what it is. There's strategy, you know, there is, there's even the supply chain part of it. There's just so many things that goes into making that. There's, there's, how do you even achieve consistency, right? Um, yeah, so um, there's, there's just so many things that, you know, stealing the menu, um, Amount to much, and you can't. You probably even in this age, even the very technical things, uh, people still steal it. So you have wars between phone companies, Apple, Samsung, not to talk of food. <laughs> so the, the important thing is to know why you're doing this. Have a purpose. Have a strategy for capturing your market, and just stay consistent. You always have people that will always come and go. But it's about, you know, it, it's way more than that. So I'm not bothered. The menu is there. There's only for them to steal the menu book. Just make me spend more. Just go to the website and download it. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we don't find the... Uh, we, we have our own measurements. We have our own method of preparation. There are some things um, that we're able to, you know, kind of protect and minimize the amount of people that have access to it. But to a large extent... It's there's more to what makes the business than okay than just the products. I heard you talk about um, the difficulty initially in trying to maintain standards as you expanded. So how were you able to fix that? Um, so um, create you know um, levels of oversight function. Um, so for example, every so fresh location um, gets to be inspected twice a week. Um, so we have a food safety and quality inspection. 
we have an operations inspection. Scheduled or anytime? They wouldn't Not scheduled. Okay. But every week you get it. Okay. So, because things has to be done for standard and then, you know, um, yeah, just now standardizing. So it was more around standardizing the processes. So if you ask, you know, someone to make a juice, an orange juice, how do you want that orange juice to be made at so fresh? Not how you make it at home, right? Um, so standardize that process. What should they look out for when they pick the orange? How should it be peeled? Right? I I I you know, sometimes when I address new new employees, they think it's a joke. If you don't tell if you don't tell someone how to peel orange, you'll be surprised that you walk into your store one day and your production assistant is peeling the orange with his or her hand. And these are things that happen. So if you find a procedure that you should peel an orange with a knife, you feel... Is it necessary? Is necessary? Yeah. <laughs> so again, looking at, so for, you know, determining for so fresh, how do you want things to be done? So it was standardizing it, documenting it, training with it, retraining with it, and continuously reinforcing what we want to see. Um, it's how we've been able to address that standard and consistent. Of course, the, the first step is that you must standardize it. So if you say, I want orange juice, um, how many oranges, even, even from going to the market, there is a type of orange that needs to be bought. Mm. Because there are species of oranges, there are species of pineapple, there's a specific type, there's a specific size. So just in standardizing, you know, even if it's service, you can always standardize service. And um, someone comes into your stomach and inquiring, what are the questions, what the next thing you say, what don't you say, and all of that. So first of all, you know, creating what the standard is, training with the standard, and then continuously improving the standard. So standards and should never be set in stone for life. Mm. It has to grow, it has to evolve, it has to become better and all of that, so yeah. Okay, interesting. How did Perfaze then come into the picture? Perfaze. Um, so 2015, uh, uh, So Fresh came to Webby and um, we had been with our customers in Equip for about two years. So we're looking for what more interesting things that was fresh, was healthy, can we introduce to the customers? Um, so we're just doing, you know, lots of research and just thinking what else could we add? And it was stumbled on Perfaze. And another experience, you know, traveled out again um, to the UK and had it in, in some of the stores. I said, oh, this would be a great stuff to to bring back. And basically that was it. Um, we came back, um, started experimenting with, you know, parfait, mixing fruits, yogurt, nuts. And when we believed that we found the right mix, we launched into the market again it went boom. Like there was nothing like that. And of course, shortly before then, you started adding, you know, proliferation of other people making perfect But When we started, it was really novel. Um, many people did it in their own, but there was nobody doing perfect commercially. And okay. so we liked it. Uh, yeah, and that, that was that was what gave birth to. So, we, I mean, we're constantly, we, we've, we've launched new products, we've stopped some, we've continued some. So. We're constantly looking, you know, to to see how we can, you know, create more options for for the customer. Okay. But of course, it must always align with what we're doing. Fresh, wholesome, 
healthy and you know very nutritious. So when you say you stopped some um, customers stopped buying, or it wasn't as booming as some it of the other products. Um, yeah, it wasn't as booming. Um, yeah. Were there some products you pushed out and then you had to take back in because customers like immediately on the spot? Uh, so not immediately. Um, over time. Okay. Yeah, over time. In just a moment, we'll talk about Guke resigning from his full-time job at Chevron to focus fully on SoulFresh as well as the key lessons he's learned on his journey. Stay with us. I'm Oshaye and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi guys, catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com If you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend and subscribe. Also, you can now watch video snippets of some of our guest interviews. Simply go to Origins Africa Podcast on YouTube, Origins Africa Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like our videos and share. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Welcome back to Origins Africa Podcast. So, at what point did Goke decide to resign from his full-time job and focus solely on SoFresh? So I left in 2016. Um, another crazy move um, because then we just had two locations. Ikoyana Pebe. Ikoyana Pebe. And then I left uh, one of the best jobs everybody wants to do in Nigeria. I left oil and gas. Um, and up to now, many people still cannot believe that I left the job. When you started, had you known that you'd be leaving your full-time job too? So, uh, how would I, so, so there was always that possibility. Um, I wasn't, my mind wasn't made up. But along the line, I also got fed up of the job. Um, I completely got fed up. It wasn't just what I found. I mean, you were traveling. I was traveling. I assumed that revenue was great. It sounded like a great job. The, <laughs> the travels were really good. So those, those like combined that and yeah, was one of the best, one of my best years. Yeah, I loved. I mean, I miss that experience. You know, so if you focus, travel, okay. not that I traveled though. I traveled on company's expense. Uh huh. So that's another life. When you, tra- <laughs> it's when you travel on an oil company's expense to the US, you know. I mean, I was, that is premium experience. Yes, so, yes, so. But, you know, then they travel, then I came back to travel, so, and the real work started. And it wasn't just what I, I found like real performance and satisfaction. And I just, there was always just that niggling feeling that I could do more than this, I could make more impact. Um, it wasn't about making money for myself. I was doing that. Um, because I had to take a deep pay cut, even um, by the time I resigned to, to come and face business square with my wife, right? So, um, but yeah, um, it was a tough decision, but it was also an easy decision for me because I didn't see myself, you know, I, I used to joke with my wife that if I stayed two more years in this job, they would sack me because I was like completely you know, up up to the brim. And so we had that discussion in 2015. I she just gave me some sets of conditions that I had to, 
I've heard you come. No, Allah, but you need to do this, do this, do this. And so for one year, You're I just set my them, mind man. that I was going to, was it 16 or 17? I always forget. I think it's 16. Okay. I think it's 16. And I just focused on it. Achieve those goals, and I presented my report to my wife. <laughs> and then I said, "Okay, when, when you are ready, I'm ready." That was it. Then you submitted the resignation letter. How did you feel? Uh, how did I feel? I felt great. I felt relieved. Yeah, I felt good. I felt relieved. I felt like yeah, and I can do what I've always you know wanted to do full time. Have there been times you maybe had doubts or regretted? So no regrets, but last but last year <laughs> when COVID happened, I wish I had my job. Mm. Because I had to take very difficult decisions that affected the lives of many people. Um and you know, business was closed down, people were closed down, it was you know, it was it was a really tough year and I'm like I wish I had my job. I wish I didn't have to think about making these decisions um, and all of that. Yeah, but I mean, there, there, are, there are always times like that. Um, but, you know, um, on the flip side of it, you know, part of the things that give me the most joy is that I'm able to contribute, I'm able to make impact on not just, you know, the over, you know, 130 people that work for so fresh now, but even many more indirect jobs, artisans, technicians, um, vendors, suppliers, probably more than 300. So, I mean, that, that, and being able to contribute, you know, significantly to, to the economy, it's brings out fulfillment. So, I sometimes I feel like I don't want all this, you know, while I don't have to want to think about all of this, but other times it's, it's just great. So it's, that's the way it's been for me. I don't know what, I'll, if that's how it is for every entrepreneur, but for me, it's like that constant. In fact, I think some weeks ago, I was talking with my wife that sometimes it's like, this is like most people personalities are like, I saw the tweet and I was yeah, going to ask you about it. Right? Sometimes I'm frustrated, right? And then the next time I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do this. We are winning. We are going. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's just that constant balance and juggling between the frustrating periods and yeah yeah what helps you through those frustrating moments i think having a great partner um someone i'm always able to talk with we are always on the same wavelength we're aligned you know on on the on the vision the mission i mean she's not just my wife she's my business partner and we're very aligned so that that is a great stuff even before it starts like brewing I'm already talking, talking about it with her. So, and sometimes it's when I am, you know, feeling frustrated, she's the one, you know, encouraging sometimes vice versa as well. Having a really good team, um, knowing that, you know, you have these guys solidly behind you and, you know, pushing that that's always really helpful. And, you know, just really knowing how much impact, your business or product has on the consumers so you know that you know um the market is how the potential is out there so you know all of these things coupled together you know just just keeps me going so 2015 through i guess last year you were profitable and maybe because of covid was they deep yeah it was a deep 
or prior then, big you had been profitable consistently since twenty fifteen. Yeah, there was a big dip. We were still profitable last year, but there was a big dip. Um, for some periods of the year, were red. Um, when March, no April, April till about June, July. Um, but then once the lockdown was eased, we recovered, and yeah, we we put on sales was considerably down, but was still profitable. Okay. And now, how are things? Things are recovering. Um, they are actually not back to what it was um, pre-lockdown, um, but much better. Um, some stores are at that level. Few stores are doing better than during the lockdown. Um, a good percentage, are maybe about 80% there about. But I mean, we can see the gradual recovery. So for example, a store like Ikoi, many offices are still not back full-time around the Ikoi VI, which is the big market for mm. us there. So a lot of companies still working from home or doing skeletal work or doing maybe one or two days in the office and all of that. So, and then, but what you also find is that some sales have moved to more residential areas. Mm. So the, the, the stores in the commercial used to be really good for us. Some have now moved to the residential. To the residential. So, I mean, just, just that balance, but you can see the recovery is gradual. Okay. Um, and you know, we just keep pushing, pushing along the, those lines. And it's simply you guys bootstrapping aside that cooperative loan you guys took in. Uh, so in 2018, we got um, external investment. Okay. A, an impact fund. How did that go? Uh, how did you hear about this application? So I went back to EDC. I did a program sponsored by Oxfam. Okay. Um, with another uh, business training. And then they connected us to, to the investors. So they have a kind of affiliation. So that was how we got to know those investors. And then they invested, um, I always forget, so three fifty about 360,000 euros. That's about $500,000 into okay. the business. Yeah, in 2018. And that's, that's part of what has uh, spawned okay, the, the growth and the expansion. Growth and expansion. Yeah. How did you feel when the money dropped? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt good. It felt good. Like, ah, really? I mean, I, I, and it was like, oh, so, you know, this thing you have done for, it was almost like a validation of, you know, everything we've done for like mm. seven years up until then, you know, eight years, 2018. So, I mean, it really felt good for somebody to believe in the work, believe in the dream, and somebody from nowhere, from Netherlands, just say, take. Continue to do your business. So it felt really good, felt like a validation. And yeah. So you're looking to maybe get some investments? Yeah, we'll raise investment and we'll continue to grow. Okay. You guys were 10 years last year. Um, and then looking back through the years, where you were last year, was that where you had in mind when you started? Or was it, had you exceeded where you had in mind? Or was it below your expectations? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so where we were last year, um, maybe we were slightly behind the expectation uh, when we started. And what did you have in mind? I mean, so, I mean, so, so, so it, it always meant to be a very big company. Um, as the last year, I, I expect that we're going to have more locations, but we, we we didn't open any new location last year, of course, because Pandemic. of COVID. So that was also, you know, partly a factor. And then, of course, the first six years was really slow. And then 
once we'd gotten a lot of things in place, it was really after the seventh year that we started, you know, going and expanding. Okay. So looking back through the years now and how far you've come, what words come to mind? Or what feelings or emotions? What feelings, what emotions? Um, grateful. Um, grateful. Um, um, fulfilled. And, you know, just... Um, yeah, just just really um, excited that you know I'm still doing this and I'm doing it you know with my wife and um, yeah it's it's been a very interesting journey you know so, you know so many you know highs lows as well but all in all it's been it's been a very rewarding journey uh, for not yet the dollar <laughs> yeah. that one is still coming down the line okay. but. Uh, it's been a very what in June. Okay. Aside from the maybe the lows you mentioned at the beginning, and what are some of the other lows, the struggles, or challenges that you faced whilst running the business? Are there uh, any you want to share? Um, I, I guess I, I guess I've shared um, about um, everyone that came to mind. I mean. Um, there were I mean there there, there were all other times you know. We had run-ins with, you know, with government agencies, you know, um, the Ikoi, even the equipment store was closed, was locked. There was someone who just wanted, we came to the store in the morning and they had come in the middle of the night because we closed around nine. That particular day we closed late 10 and then by the time we came five minutes, they had locked up the store, saved it just for frivolous reasons. And so those kinds of experiences, you know, could really be frustrating. Um, had running with every, you know, I mean, running business in Nigeria, I just need to be really careful. Um, one of our stores was closed down for a week because the sublessor and the original owner had some court issues we were not privy to. And then one day, one night, the store was locked for a week. Yeah. So, I mean, just continue. So, I mean, so, I mean, you, you as growing business, you you begin to understand why a lot more things become at stake, and so things like legal becomes very important. Doing due diligence on every contract, every agreement you are going to enter, and all of that. So, yeah. What did you learn the hard way? The hard way. Um, part of it will be marketing. Um, okay good products don't sell themselves or they can only sell themselves so far. They will sell themselves, but maybe not enough. So I had to learn that. Um, I'm still learning that. <laughs> um, uh, understanding um, business. Um, I, I, I just always say that business has a language and you have to be able to speak the language or you're able to run a business effectively. Um, yeah. Maybe those two things. Okay. And through the years, what would you say has been most helpful for you on the journey? Again, I would say my partner the most helpful. Uh, I'm not sure if I was, if I mean, so I'm sure if I was the only one running this and I was working, um, I probably, probably abandoned, like, why would I be, you know, slaving myself is not working while I had a job. So I'm, I'm almost 98% sure I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have the kind of amazing partner that I have. Um, 
Yeah, that that has probably the the most pivotal um, <laughs> on this on this journey for me. Um, also having supportive, you know, um, family. Not all of them, very few of them, but even the fact that there are few, they are significant. And of course, the customers. So the reception has been overwhelming, and um, people believe, you know, in in the brand. They love the brand, you know. So in those early years when we were not really um, prioritizing marketing, the customers went all out for us, even without us knowing. Be- again, because of the experience they had. So even up till now, our greatest marketing is actually word of mouth and referrals. Um, and that's always been tremendous for us. And then, you know, having a stable team, you know, that, that believed in the dream and, you know, interprets it correctly and is able to run with it just makes a whole world of difference because there's just little you even if you're a genius there's just so little you can do all by yourself okay i mean so if you notice it's it's all about people that's my partner my staff and customers that's why we're here (laughs) till today (laughs) so coming to mistakes i heard you talk about for instance um accounting there was that um separating accounts or money and stuff like that at the beginning also heard you talk about doing i guess due diligence um on deals but what are some of the other mistakes you'd say you've made on your journey which have now in hindsight become lessons but were mistakes you made so location um Maybe that was the first, you know, uh, mistake. Um, so now we're very deliberate when we're looking for, you know, stores. Um, because it could make or mar, it will make or mar a, a physical, a, a brick and mortar store. So your location has to be on point. Um, I guess that's it. Okay. Running business with your wife, I mean, partnership, there is... Yes, there's a good size, like you beautifully described, but I think there, there would also be the disagreements that happen and the arguments. Yes, have you guys had such? And have there been times where, had it ever gotten to a point where it escalated from where you guys took it home from the office with you guys and we didn't speak for a while? It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, it's everywhere. Uh, of course, there are that. There are always agreement escalation. Sometimes home will spill into the office. Office will spill into the home. Um, there were points it was it was it was really tough where it had you know significant impact. Um, uh, but I guess um, because we have you know you know first of all such uh, so strong feelings for each other. Um, we respect each other a lot and we were committed to, we both had an agreement and were committed to to the dream. Okay. And each person um, was able to find their own space within the company. We tried as much as possible so that um, we were not encroaching and each person had a way to you know, express themselves so that that really helped and of course we've grown through the years um things are really great now um i remember mean, well, there were periods um that it was quite frustrating and you know mostly around you know how 
you know, um, to administer things, you know, taking decisions and all of that. Yeah. So those things will always come. Um, I mean, but for me, it's about one understanding each other. If the goal is clear and everybody is aligned, there may be always be agreement on how to get to the goal, but then compromises need to be made. Also a lot of communication so that you're understanding exactly the person's perspective. Sometimes it's just because we're talking from different perspectives. So I've had different experiences. She has different experiences. So approaching the same issue, we're approaching the same issue from different angles, but at the end of the day, we want the same thing. So we've really learned through that process and, you know, working together, it's, it's been... So you learned it over place. time. But yeah, initially... Yeah, the- you know, I mean, um, I don't know if you would give me for saying this, although it's, it's nothing much. I mean, there was a point she, she said she wanted to pull out and... Um, she wanted to do something else. She was not going to work. I said, it's not possible. Uh-huh. So if you just stop, just close it, finish. <laughs> I'm not going to do this um, without you. So let's talk about what the issues are. So, you know, we've always been being gone. We just talk, 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 talk. And you know, in, in the midst of that, you find the right mix, the right solution. Yeah. So there okay. are those times. Yeah. Okay. Thank Plenty. you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> stop. So stop running a business with your spouse um, because... It's not just a business relationship, you know, the emotions, you know, come into play. And so you are running two relationships within, within, within Mm -hmm. the relationship. And that poses, you know, a, a bit of challenge, um, for there to be sanity, somebody needs to be, you know, male and running the show. And how do you now balance that, you know, balance the home? When things happen at home, because just because your husband or you will have disagreements, things happen at home, and then you're supposed to be in the office the next day and together talk about, you know, growing mm-hmm. the business when mm-hmm. that has been settled. And it could be vice versa. So things happen in the office and you're not happy with her or she's not happy with you and you express that. And then you have to go back home. So that, you know, balance could be very... Okay. And then I always say it, you know, especially in an environment like Nigeria, you know, where you have a traditional, very traditional man that believes that, you know, the wife should be always subservient and, you know, and all of that. It could be a very challenging dynamics to, to So I think everybody must really ask themselves um, what they can tolerate and does this person look like the kind of person that will be reasonable and understand? So mm. it has to be a lot of, you know, mind searching and being very sure before you engage in, you know, running a business with your wife. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Looking through the years now, would you ascribe your success to your hard work skills and talents or to luck? Ah, probably both. Um, but truly, um, I'll say, you know, um, a good, a, a good, a good part of luck to it because there are so many things in this journey that are probably really helped smooth the journey and was just so first one of the biggest luck is working, working in, in, in the oil and gas, working in Chevron. It provided the, the funds to play around with. So mm-hmm. I had enough to take care of family. I would say I had enough to around the first five years. Um, so, and why did I was in luck? Yes, I mean, I could, getting the job was low because 
I applied for the job and all of that. And then I was with my sister in Lagos, but I came to look for a job. So I went back to learn. Then I got the workplace job, right? And then my sister had moved from that address. And that was where they sent my employment letter to. Oh. No phones, nothing. And by coincidence, right, my sister, after she had moved out from there for like seven months, she said, let me even go and greet this, my uh, old neighbors. And it was two weeks before then they had dropped the letter. Uh, said, ah, we have been looking for you because they didn't know where she moved to. I don't know why she didn't tell them. We have been looking for you. They brought one DHA letter Look, look, look for it. They saw where they put it. When she opened it, it was that we're resuming next week. I was supposed to have done passport. I was taking, they were taking our passport to the visa office the next week. Mm. So she called me and I jumped on a car, got learning, picked up the letter, drove straight to, to Chevron. No, I first had to even do my international passport and everything. Two, three days. Mm. So I'm wondering what of if she hadn't returned that day. They didn't find the letter again. Mm. You know, I mean, so I'm mean, so searching there like that. It, even traveling out really exposed my mind, made me see what was possible and all of that. So I think it's been a mix of everything. But of course, you know, luck comes, but then you also have to work at it. You have to take advantage of it. And yeah, so I'll say both ways. So generally through the years, what key lessons have you learned now? Um, key lessons. Um, people remain the, I mean, the greatest assets. Um, don't, um, don't use people. Um, I believe more in working with people um, than using people. So um, that's, that's, that's one of the, the, the biggest lessons. I think I also mentioned, you know, during this session that things usually don't happen you have to make them happen um almost like a lot of talent i mean they probably remain in their constant state except to push, push them and that applies to every other thing so you know push you know efforts um is always required to make you know growth and development things will not just drop drop on on, on your laps as it as it were okay what do you look forward to now i look forward to so fresh in every city in Nigeria, okay, every major city in Africa, starting from West Africa. So we're looking at is growth expansion, providing you know, fresh, healthy, alternative meals to customers. Africa is our goal. Even when the next generation comes, they will take it to the world. <laughs> but that's what we can do with Africa. What are three things you've changed your mind about in the last few years? Uh. Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Three things you're excited about today. Today. I'm excited about my family. I'm excited about so fresh. Okay. Uh yeah. Three absurd or stupid fun things you like to do. Uh I'm not sure. I'm a pretty normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have uh, I may be not too interested I have a very simple very simple life very like triangle so I don't do a lot of weird stuff yeah mm. yeah how do you unwind how do I unwind I garden 
Okay. Garden. Um, I love gardening. Um, I watch sports. All sports. And then I play with my kids. Okay. If you're in my shoes, is there a question I haven't asked you that you would have asked yourself? You've asked everything. <laughs> Maybe the question I... <laughs> Uh, would you have done this again? Ah, okay. Would you? I don't know. <laughs> Why not? Why don't you know? So, I mean, because I asked that myself a longer and it's a very, it's a very difficult question. So why I don't know, part of the reason is, uh, why I'm not sure is, um, so even though it's been a rewarding journey, um, it, it has also, I think it, it it's taking a, a bit uh, from me and even from my family, of course, we've recalibrated, you know, after a while, but there were, there were, there were periods I felt wasn't really worth it. So I'm, I'm actually not sure if I would have given the same circumstance, maybe I would have done it in a different way. Mm. Uh, maybe I would be running this myself. Maybe I would have become an investor. I uh, see. And not having to deal with this. <laughs> So I've not, I've not, I've not been able to answer that question myself. Okay. What's your advice? Or maybe not. <laughs> What's your advice to listeners, people out there who are, I guess, just starting on their journey or going about living their dreams or wanting to live their dreams? Yeah. Um. So it's important to really define why you're doing what you're about to do and. What is it you're trying to achieve or birth? You know, so I'm talking about, you know, a, a purpose, a mission. It's not just something, you know, it has to be something that you really think about because this helps you define exactly what you're doing and helps you continuously, you know, um, refocus uh, on the journey. So being very deliberate and particular about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, I would also say take time to learn. Um, each industry has its own peculiarities. Understand your business, especially at the beginning. You have to understand it and have to take time to give time to studying and understanding it. Of course, nothing beats experience. And you know, so while before you start, get as much as much knowledge as possible while you're running it, continue to get as much knowledge as possible. Being a great baker is not the same thing as running a baking industry, mm. a baking company. Same thing, you know, I love farming, I love gardening. It's not the same thing as having, you know, running a farm as a business. There are two worlds apart. So um, understanding that difference and, you know, bridging that gap for yourself, you know, it's, um, it's important. Also understand that it's all about people running a business. Um, so I tell my staff that when they say that so fresh customer service is good, they're actually talking about GD that sat them. But they will usually not say, especially if they don't know the name. So at the end of the business is people. And if you really want to go far, really want to go far with business, you have to understand the power of people, power of partnerships. Um, in, in, in running a business and um, it always has to be collaborative with, with your people. Um, yeah. Okay. Who would you like me to interview next? <laughs> uh, and we can talk to um, Ayo. Um, Ayo, um, 
food pro. So they do lion cashew. They can. You know lion cashews? No, I don't. They do lion cashews. So they do for retail and they also export. So food pro, ion, uh, afion, real fruits. Okay. You know afion? Yeah, I do. Real fruits. That's Olago Kibalogun, the co-founder and CEO of SoFresh, Nigeria's pioneer and number one healthy food chain. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please, do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember... Do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes, and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com Com. And of course, if you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe. Join us on Friday as we release a bonus episode celebrating the life of Olariwaji Fasasi, whom we popularly called Sound Sultan. He was a rapper, singer, songwriter, actor, comedian, recording artist, and many more. I'm Oshaya. And you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bit of-